0: Hey again, everybody. So thankful that you've taken the time to watch this video and maybe hopefully dig a little deeper into Sunday's message. Um, Just a reminder that message was from John 1 uh, and the the first basically 13 verses, although we did skip from verse 5 to verse 9. Um, You know, I want to tell you a story. It, It was interesting to me, and this is just a response to some conversations after the message on Sunday. Um, years ago, we went on uh, New Year's Day. We went to Memphis, Tennessee, for uh, University of Georgia was playing in a bowl game against Texas Christian University, who oddly enough was a rematch of the NCAA national championship game uh, a couple Mondays ago. And um, we, the whole family went, and, and you know we we tend to like to go to um, Georgia football games when they're close by and we were in Alabama so we figured we'd hit Memphis on the way back and it was great and we, we got to the stadium early because that's one thing that college football has. There's a lot of atmosphere around the game and, and so we enjoy that. So we got to the stadium early and we got to our seats and we sat down and they were good seats about halfway up right near the 50 yard line. We could see everything really well. And, and right in front of us was this whole group of people and they all had on a, a University of Georgia football jersey with the number seven on it and the name Carter on the back. Well, it just so happens there was a guy that, that played for Georgia at that time. His name was Lorenzo Carter, and he was number seven. So we sat there, and um, finally I asked one of the guys that was sitting with him. I said, hey, are you guys related to L- Lorenzo Carter and he said, yeah, I'm his uncle, and this is his mom, and this is his sister. This is his aunt. There must have been 25 people there that were related to him. And he had an unbelievable game. He had, like, sacks and fumble recoveries and forced fumbles. Had an incredible game. And, and it occurred to me while we were sitting there, his family was cheering throughout the game just like the rest of us. And he would make a play and somebody would run and grab his, they didn't know him, but they'd grab his mama and give her a hug and high five his uncles and just celebrated what he was doing on the field with him, uh, with, the, with his family. And so all these anonymous strangers are all into Lorenzo Carter that day for two reasons. One, those who knew him well were sitting next to them but two, he was having an incredible game. It occurred to me as I was watching this, although all of us were cheering for him, we were cheering for different reasons. See, we, the fans who weren't related to him and didn't know him, we were cheering for what he was doing. His family was cheering because of who he was. There was a big difference in that. And it got me thinking about the church. How many times do we let our affection for Jesus well up because of what he does instead of who he is? How many times do we press into deeper connection and desire for him because of what he does for us instead of who he is? You know, I don't think any of us, Just take a marriage as an example. I think if um, somebody had this, deep desire for the spouse simply because of what they brought into their world, what they did for them, I don't think that marriage would last. I don't think it would feel like a loving relationship. I don't think that agape kind of love would ever live in the context of that relationship. That love that says, I want what's best for you no matter what it costs me. I think it'd be a very functional love. I think it'd be the love that that the Greek word storge talks about, which is a a functional love. You know, I love traffic lights because they keep you from driving through an intersection and colliding with me. I love um, Walmart because I can get what I need there relatively easily and, well, not always easily, but pretty much cheaply. You know, I, I love my cell phone because it serves a purpose and function for me. And so here's a question I want to invite you into as we talk about having this this flame of passionate love for Jesus just just fanned into a roaring blaze within our hearts. The question I want you to deal with is, do you love him because of what he does or because of who he is? Because I think what happens when we've been kind of brought up with this idea of, I love Jesus because he died for me on the cross— that becomes a very um, shallow type of love. It's still love. And, And I think we all have to start somewhere. and Maybe that's the starting point in our love. But it's that storge love. It's that love of functionality. I love the things that serve a purpose in my life. Jesus on the cross serves a purpose in my life. Therefore, I love him. Versus the kind of love that Lorenzo Carter's family was cheering out of for him that love of personhood, love of the knowing of the person, love of who they are in their lives, not who they are simply as a football player, whether successful or not as a football player. And so he could have had a horrible game that day. He could have been just had a off day and, and not done anything, but his family still would have been cheering for him. Those of us around his family probably wouldn't. But I wonder... If we can ask ourselves, is my love for Christ the kind of love that says my desire is for you as a person not for you because of what you bring into my life that somehow serves me. And I want to I want to expound on the quote I gave you. I gave you a partial bit of this quote in the sermon. But I want to expound on is a quote from A.W. Tozer from his book, The Pursuit of God, which I want to toss that out as a resource. It's a very small book. It's a relatively easy read, although it's deep. But it's a very small book. Um, it's like seven chapters. And here's my invitation. Read that book over the next seven weeks. But don't take seven weeks to read it. Read one chapter a day each week for seven weeks so read chapter one seven times in that week I'm telling you there's depth and layers in this book the chapters are maybe six to eight pages they're not long but I would encourage you to read a chapter a week but read the same chapter each week and so in seven weeks you'll have finished this book but listen to this quote from The Pursuit of God to have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. What he's saying is, look, I found God, but I'm still pursuing him. Because as I encounter him, my heart becomes inflamed with desire for him. I'm not simply trying to find God to satisfy some religious need or curiosity or, or transaction. I found Him, and that is inflaming my heart to find Him more deeply. So to have found God and still pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love. I would say that's true of anything that we truly love, not just God. That's true of relationships. That's true of of people, that's true of spouses. When we discover something we love, we desperately want to plummet plummet to its fullest depths, to know it most deeply. We do that with people. We do that with God. But I think one of the hindrances to that is we get stuck in the space of, I love him because of what he does for me. He cares for me, he provides for me, therefore I love him. But the reality is, his care and his provision for you is a byproduct of his love for you. It's not an enticement for you to love him. It's simply what happens when someone loves us, when we love someone else. We desire the good for them no matter what it costs us. That is a very functional, operational definition of the word agape in Scripture, that type of love that goes to the deepest places, that says, whatever is best for you, I desire, no matter what it costs me. That is the love that put Jesus on the cross. So, the cross isn't what makes him lovable, but what makes him lovable is he is the kind of person who would go to a cross to have us in his life, forever, present with him, one with him, part of life with him. And so I want to invite you to maybe thinking about, is this love that you have for God, is it rooted in the person of Jesus, God manifest, or is it rooted in the works of Jesus? Listen, being rooted in the works of Jesus is not a bad thing, but it's not a stopping point. It's an invitation to move further into loving God through Christ because of who Christ is, because of who God is. I think Paul had that. I think Paul had that deeply. And you can see it in some of the verses that that he talks about what's going on inside him. You know, when he says things like, you know, it's better for you that I remain here but it's better for me that I die and go to be with Christ. So now I'm stuck. I don't know what to do, what to want. And what he's saying is he loved the people he was ministering to so deeply, he didn't want to leave them. But he loved Jesus so deeply, he didn't want to be apart from him any longer. And so he lands in this spot where there's this tension, this paradox of love. My love for Christ compels me to go to him. My love for others compels me to stay with them, to serve them, to be Christ to them. And so he lived in that tension. Well, I think if we get to that place where we find there's a deep love for Jesus as person because of who he is, we're going to live into that tension as well. We're going to live into that tension of, you know, there are things in this world that I want to let go of, but I can't seem to let go of them because I still have a love for them. They're they're people in this world that I don't want to let go of because I have a love for them, but I feel Jesus calling me to a place where I may have to relinquish some of those attachments. So we have to remember that Jesus isn't calling us from anything. He's calling us to something. And I think what happens is when we take our relationship with Jesus and it's rooted in what he does for us, all we feel is the call from Call from our old lifestyle. Call from sinfulness. Call from self-destructive behavior. Call from lies that we believe and act on. Call from bitterness and resentment and all those things. We think he's calling us from those things. But the problem is as we move away from those things, if we're not moving towards him, we just find ourselves in a space that's not in him. It just happens to be further from those things. But we're nowhere. So the call has to be to the person of Christ himself, who is lovable. So what do we do with that? I think what we do is this. We begin to go to Jesus on terms of who he is, not what he does. We don't have to go to him in, in, in a mentality of, I'm completing the transaction. You died for me, so now I'm coming to you because you died for me, so I can come to you. Instead, no, you know what? If you never died for me, that'd be fine. I just want to be with you because I'm getting a vision in my heart and my mind of who you truly are. And as I see you more clearly, I desire you more fully. Now, here's one of the dangers. The danger with that is to go, well, this is where I'm at and I see other people that are over here and I can't get from here to there. Well, maybe you can't get from here to there because you're not invited into that yet. So here's the other thing. If it's about personhood, not what he does, but who he is, then I need to understand that my relationship with him is my relationship with him. No one else's. So I'll give you an example. I don't expect my relationship with my wife and my kids to look like any other relationship in their lives or in my life. And I don't expect anybody else to have the same type of relationship with them that I have. There's a uniqueness that comes from position. Position as spouse. Position as husband. Position as father. If my kids or my wife related to others in the exact same way they related to me, then I would have to acknowledge that something is wrong in my relating to them. And so here's the thing. Each one of us are uniquely designed by God to be with God. And so the nature of my connection with God is always going to be mine. I can share it. I can use it maybe as a light to help you see that that maybe a deeper connection in your life is possible. But your connection is always going to be yours. The uniqueness, the beauty, the majesty of Jesus is that he can satisfy all needs which means everyone's needs, whatever they may be, as unique as they might be, he can satisfy all those needs in who he is. So he is, in that, the most dynamic personality who's ever existed. Think of it this way. Jesus is the guy that could walk into the room at a party and have a deep, meaningful conversation with everyone about who they are and where they are regardless of who they are and where they are. We can't do that. (laughs) So because he is that person, he's going to meet each of us uniquely where we are, call us to something, not from something, and then walk with us there. So the nature of your relationship with Jesus is rooted in who you uniquely are and how he uniquely relates to you. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't hear me saying that that He comes to me uniquely in visions and and in words. No. The the way Jesus comes to us is always framed within the context of the truth and reality of Scripture. He will never relate to me uniquely outside of those bounds. But He will relate to me uniquely in the sense that He meets my needs as they are in a moment and speaks to me there where I need him in a moment with truth, with light, and with life. That's what I mean by that unique connection. So, all that to say this. Just like Lorenzo Carter's family had this unique connection with Lorenzo and celebrated his great day on the field, and we were all celebrating his great day on the field. Don't be confused. We were not celebrating the same thing. Those of us who didn't know him were celebrating his performance. Those who did know him, his family, his loved ones, were celebrating his personhood. So here's the invitation. Is your love for Jesus Jesus, rooted in his performance, what he's done for you, or in his personhood? And if it's not rooted in his personhood, then you need to go to him and say, Reveal yourself to me more fully. Let me see you as you are more more fully today than I did yesterday. Because I know when I do, my desire for you will increase. So how do we address our desire? How do we address our inflaming that desire for Jesus? Well, we behold Him. We look upon Him. What's that look like? Well, I begin to read who He is in Scripture. I stay in the Gospel of John for the next several weeks as we walk through this series. I let those who knew him best and most closely tell me about him. John, Peter. I read scripture that reveals to me the very nature of the person who is Christ. And then I let that touch the places in me where I have a unique need. I begin to see that, you know, I I see in his conversations with others that when he invites, he doesn't only invite to presence, he invites to transformation. And so he's always doing a work in me. I need to know that. I personally need to know that. There are things he wants you to know about who he is that you need to know personally. So I want to invite you in your discussion time as you kind of go into your group time. I want to invite you to ask that question Am I attracted to the performance of Jesus or am I attracted to the person of Jesus? And it's okay to be honest. Because I think we all start at that place of um Jesus died on the cross for me, therefore, I need to have a response to him. Heck, you know what? most churches teach that, you know churches have invitation time that's all rooted in his performance. If you're willing to accept his sacrifice for you today, come down here, let's talk, but what we don't do is we don't do a good job of moving people from you have affection for him based on his performance to, to, let's help you develop affection for him based on his person. And that just happens with knowing him and per, still pursuing him. I found him, but I'm still going to pursue him. And that's where that agape love begins to come to light. So wherever you're at on that spectrum, performance to person, don't worry about it. It's just where you're at today. But he's going to meet you there uniquely. He's going to invite you into seeing Him more fully and knowing Him more deeply. And as you do that, your desire for Him as a person will become more and more inflamed. You don't have to solve this question this week. You don't have to resolve this today. It's a process. Just step into the process and let that paradox of love to have found God and still be pursuing Him just continually play out in the moment-by-moment existence of your day, in the desires of your heart, in your encounters with God, in your prayer time, in your scripture reading, in your your group time, in those times of silence and solitude where you're just alone with God. Just let that play out. And what you're going to find is that as Paul told Timothy to do, you're fanning into flame, that love for God that first was there, that leads you deeper into Him. So let me pray for you and then uh, invite you to go off to your groups. I want to mention again If you haven't read it, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, is a fantastic read. It's a short little book, and uh, I would encourage you to read it and dabble in it for as long as your your mind can stay in it. But there are deep, deep insights in there, and it's a fantastic read. So let me pray for you. Father, we're we're grateful that um, you sent us your Son, and he is who he is, that we can love him just for the very nature that he is, for the personality he is, for the person he is. Knowing that uh, to be with someone who is willing to sacrifice for us changes the dynamic of a relationship whether they ever do or not. But we all have people in our lives who we know would be willing to sacrifice for us. They may not always be called to, but there's affection that comes from a heart that's willing to sacrifice, that has agape type love for us. And so, God, we put aside all that he did, very real and tangible things that save us from ourselves and from sin and from this sin nature and give us a place with him in all eternity. But that that pales by comparison to the gain that we have of just being in his presence as who he is. So, Father... Whether we're at a spot of leaning more towards our affections are rooted in what he has done for us in his performance, or we're at a spot where our affections are rooted more in who he is as a person, take us to that deeper place, the deeper place of agape love for Jesus that spills out of us into others. And we ask all that in his name. Amen. Hey, have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.